from the top of my hand to the soles of my feet. Give me the clarity of thought, the clarity of speech that is so absolutely necessary. I can't do this on my own. Lord, let it be like fire. Shut up in my bones, oh God. Use me in a powerful, powerful way. And I pray for every person under the sound of my voice here in person, listening by podcast. Open their hearts, their minds, and their spirit. Let your word fall onto good ground and bring forth a mighty, mighty harvest. Lord, we give you the thanks for it in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said... Amen. Why don't you, as you're seated, turn around, look at several people, give them a thumbs up, wave at them, give them a fist bump if you're close enough, tell them, I'm glad to see you in church today. Somebody's jamming out. (laughs) We find here in the book of John chapter 4 that Jesus was traveling from Judea to Galilee. Now, we look farther uh, back in this particular chapter in John chapter 4 and verse 4, and it tells us something. It tells us, the King James says this, it says, he must needs go through Samaria. The NIV says it like this, he had to go through Samaria. Well, really, without knowing the background, neither of these tell us the complete story. You see, we find that the Samaritans were a group of people who lived, obviously, in Samaria. But their roots were that they were the poorest of the poor who were left in Israel by Nebuchadnezzar after the Babylonian exile. Now, I don't know about y'all. It's bad. It's really bad when the bad guy don't even want to mess with you. You see, back then when Nebuchadnezzar came into Israel and he invaded Judah and he began to take people like we know the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many of you heard that story in the fiery furnace? Then there's guys like Daniel. And he went in and he found them and he took them captive and took them back to Babylon. But the Samaritans were so poor and so unwanted that even Nebuchadnezzar said, I'm not even going to take them back. I'm not even going to kill them. I'm just going to let them stay right here where they are at. We find that during this time that they intermarried with non-Jews. Now the Lord had told them to not marry anybody except for other Jews. Now in the New Testament version of this we know that God then tells us something different. It's not that you're not supposed to marry based on a skin color, not that you're supposed to marry based on a nationality but he does tell us something that is very important. He said be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. He does tell us in the New Testament that you don't need, listen Christian child of God, you don't need to be married to somebody else that don't love Jesus. Well, a few of you believe it. I said, Christian person, you don't need to get married to somebody that don't love Jesus. It blows my mind when Christian men and women are on the hunt for a spouse and they give up in the church and they head to the club or they head to the bar and then the marriage goes south and then they wondered how in the world did that happen. I can tell you exactly how. God told us in his word that we as Christian people are to marry other Christian people. Somebody say amen. We find that 
they had also intertwined their true faith in Jehovah with other superstitions. Their faith had now, instead of being a pure faith, it had now become intertwined with all kinds of other superstitions. Y'all ain't ready for this this morning, but it, another thing that blows my mind is when Christian people start talking about their horoscope. Christian people start talking about what their horoscope says, what their sign is, all this. Listen, folks, as child children of the Most High God, the only sign I need is the cross. The only direction I need is the Spirit and the Word. I don't need to intertwine and intermix my faith with any other garbage that this world has for me. Well, the Samaritans had done this. Now, we find in, on the map, Samaria, Samaria was the quickest route between Judea and Galilee. But many of the Jews refused to go through Samaria because they had such a distaste for Samaritans. So there was a more popular route that Jesus could have taken. You see, it, the quickest way was through Samaria, but nearly all of the Jews refused to go through Samaria, and they went a more popular way around, almost like a bypass. They would take the bypass so they didn't have to go to Samaria or through Samaria. Many Jews refused to do it, and they would take that bypass pass route so they didn't. But Jesus, the Scripture said, as I read to you in the beginning, beginning of chapter 4 said now he had to go through he needed to go through because there was a woman there that Jesus Christ needed to see I don't know about anybody else in this building today but I need to let you know I still believe in 2021 in divine appointments I still believe that God Almighty will send people into my life at the right place at the right time with the right thing I still believe believe that God will use me to do that. I believe that God, sometimes I might end up in a place that I never intended to go, talking to a person that I never intended to talk to. Why? Because I still believe that God Almighty puts us in divine appointments at times so that we can speak to somebody, so that we can encourage somebody, so that we can help somebody, so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I believe Jesus will go out of his way or send somebody else out of their way to get to you. i got to keep moving. This passage is rich with so many truths. We find that they were at here, they were at Jacob's well. We find that Jesus begins to talk to her and tell her about the living water. We find that Jesus begins to tell her all about her past and all about her present, which was no way that he could have known except for the fact that he was Jesus. That's why when we opened in our text, she's saying, Sir, I can see that you are some kind of prophet. But for the purpose of this message, we're going to focus in on only one part of this text, and that is worship. Everybody say worship. So the first thing I want us to look at, number one, is that they discuss worship as a place. Somebody say a place. She began to bring up an old point of argument between Jews and Samaritans in verse 20. This is significant. She says, our fathers worshiped on this mountain, 
But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is Jerusalem. Now, this was an old argument that had gone on between Jews and Samaritans for many, many years. They believed that the place where Jesus and her were standing at the moment in Samaria was the place that they had to worship. Of course, we know that the Jews taught that the, that Jerusalem, the place at that point in time, which earlier in the Old Testament when there was the tabernacle, it had to be the tabernacle. Now, at this point in time where there is the temple in Jerusalem, that Jerusalem was the place that they had to worship. And this this had been an old point of argument. Now, it is possible that this was a genuine source of confusion and maybe a stumbling block to her. Perhaps it was that maybe she was confused about this, but really more than likely, I believe that this was simply an evasion trying to avoid the real issue of her many prior husbands and her current non-husband. I told you in just a second ago that Jesus was talking to her and told her stuff that nobody else could have known. And that's when he said, he told her, go back, verse 16, go back, call your husband and come. And she said, I have no husband. And he replied to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. You see, she got blown away there. She thought she was going to fool Jesus, but I just need to let somebody know here today, you may fool your mama, you may fool your daddy, you may even fool your preacher, but you cannot fool Jesus. You cannot lie to Jesus. You cannot trick Jesus. Jesus knows it all, so there is no need for you to try to cover up. There's no need for you to try to disguise it. Jesus Christ, everything is laid bare in the eyes of God Almighty, our Savior, he sees it all and he knows it all. And this question, I believe, that she begins to bring up and talk about, I believe was an evasion of the real problem that she didn't want to talk about. I found that to be true many, many times in people. When there's a root cause, when there's a root problem somewhere, people want to start an argument about something way over here or talk about something way over here. Absolutely not. Can I just tell you, I better be careful right here. Can I tell you that I'm still a firm believer? We got a whole lot of problems. We've got a whole lot of problems in our land and in our world and we can talk about this one and we can talk about that one but I'm just going to tell you what the root cause of it all is and that is sin. You see I didn't come up here to talk about political agendas. I didn't come up here to talk about political parties. I didn't come up here to give a stump speech for a president. Absolutely not. But what I did come up here to talk about is the word of the living God and I still believe we've got a sin problem problem in our land and until we get rid of the sin and let the blood of Jesus wash us again and fill us with his love and his spirit then we can't fix any of these other problems but Jesus wasn't getting sucked into all that he was there on divine appointment for her life not to win an argument oh God help me some of us have got to get to the place where we learn it ain't worth trying to win an argument. I'm going to tell you this, and I'm going to move on. I love that old saying. It's better to keep your mouth closed and be thought a fool than open it and prove it beyond the shadow of any doubt. <laughs> That's a bonus for you. I didn't even have that in my notes. <laughs> so Jesus lets her know. 
that there is way more than she realizes at play here. Verse 21, Jesus declared, believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. So here's what Jesus begins to teach her now. He begins to teach her, number one, that place isn't important. You see, he's going to die. He knows that he's about to go to Jerusalem. He's about to die on the cross, that the veil in the temple is going to be torn from top to bottom, giving free access to God's presence to all that will come through him. He realizes that in, in A.D. 70 that Rome is going to come in and completely destroy that temple, never to be rebuilt again until the end of time. He says here, lady, place is not important. He says, you're going to worship, but it's not going to be on this mountain, and it's not even going to be in Jerusalem. Folks, I'm going to tell you, I am so happy today. I'm happy today that I can be here at 100 Loxley Way in Starkville, Mississippi, and worship. But I thank God that I don't have to be here in this building to worship him. I can be out there in the front yard. I can be riding down the road. I can be laying in my bed. I can be down in forest at youth camp. I can be wherever. I've been in places in this world. I've been to Nicaragua. I've been to all kinds of places. And listen, it doesn't have to be right here. It's not about a place anymore. You don't have to be in a church building. You don't have to have pews and microphones and projectors or hymn books. No. It's not based on a place. He says, place is important. Then he says, you will worship. Jesus makes a declaration to a sinful Samaritan woman that she was included. Listen, folks, that, that, that's the gospel right there. Jesus is looking. First of all, he's come through this place that most Jews wouldn't even dare set foot. He's come through this place, and he's looking at this woman, and not even just because she's a Samaritan, but this chick has done had five husbands and living, can I say it, shacked up with another dude. But Jesus looks at her, and he says to her, you will worship. I just need to talk to somebody and tell you I don't care what kind of sin you've gotten yourself messed up in. I don't care what kind of past that you've got behind you. It doesn't really matter about your past. What matters is the present right here and right now. And if you'll accept what Jesus Christ has got for you, he says you can worship him. Not only was she a sinful and a Samaritan, but she was a she. Now, don't y'all get mad at me, ladies. You know when I preach this, I just got to give you the biblical context of this. Let me tell you this. A strict rabbi, which Jesus was, a teacher, might not even speak to his own wife, sister, or daughter in public. I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying it's right. In fact, I'm giving you what Jesus did. But the tradition was that because the fact that she was a woman, he might not even talk to his wife, his sister, or his own daughter in public because of the mindset. But Jesus said, I came to talk to you, and you will worship. Jesus is intentional 
in his saying, you Samaritans worship what you don't know, and we Jews worship what we do know. You see, the you and the we are emphatic in the original Greek. So Jesus definitely wants to make a distinction here. The reason is this. Hold on with me. The Samaritans only took the first five books as scripture and they mixed in, as I've already told you, a lot of other superstitions that they had picked up along the way. Listen to your pastor today. The gospel is certainly for whosoever, but it also includes correcting the course to those that are headed in a wrong direction. Somewhere along the way, we have gotten to the place where we have mixed up correction and hatred. There's a difference between correcting somebody and hating somebody. You see, when Jaden was a little girl, there was a reason why we would tell her, don't stick anything in an electrical outlet because it's going to hurt you and it might even kill you. For some reason or another, we have cowered down to the fact that if we talk about sin and we preach about sin and we tell people that sin will send them to hell, that somehow we hate them. Absolutely not. Now, I know, and I'm a firm believer, you can say the right thing in the wrong way, and we don't have to do it in a spirit of hate, but we do it in a spirit of love, but we must watch Jesus here when he begins to talk to her, and he doesn't just say, Oh, you've got five husbands, and you shacked up with another dude. Don't worry, babe. It's okay. I love you. You know, because that's kind of what we do now. We say, you know, I know you got this going on, but, but Jesus loves you. Jesus does love you. That's why he died for you, so that you don't have to live in your sin anymore. It's not about hatred. Jesus, listen, Jesus, you need to know this about Jesus. He is not in the business of leaving people in the same way he found them. He is not about leaving you the same way that he found you. He found this woman and he loved this woman, but he was not in the business of leaving her to her own devices and her own sins. He knew that she needed his help. Jesus accepts all, but he don't leave them the way he found them. When the woman was caught in the act of adultery, he didn't condemn her, but he did say, go and sin no more. He did forgive her. He did love her. But he didn't say, hey, go on and just keep on doing the way you were doing. No. He said, woman, where are your accusers? Neither do I accuse you, condemn you. Then he said, go and sin no more. Folks, we are doing, folks, a big injustice when we are not preaching the truth anymore. And when we are not telling them, hey, yes, God loves you. Yes, God cares about you. Yes, God can heal you, deliver you, set you free. But please don't keep on living in the sin you've been living in. The truth is so essential in these last days that are full of deception you see I believe very strongly personally as a pastor I feel a strong strong calling in my life and my ministry not just right now but 
really over the last 10 years especially that God has called me to be a, a carrier of truth. Now listen, I know that there's ways and there's, there's things I could preach and things that I could say and, and, and I, could, I could tone it down a little bit. I could just come in and tell you how much the Lord loves you and how much the Lord just wants to bless you all the time and how everything's just peachy and nice. But that's not what God's called me to do. Now, yes, the Lord will bless you, and yes, the Lord loves you. But listen, we in this last day that we're living in where deception is so crazy, our general overseer said it at camp meeting. Who would have believed 10 years ago that we're having to address the kind of junk in the church that we're having to address? Who would have ever imagined that truth is essential in these things? Let me give you some of that 2020 lingo, some of that coronavirus essential. You want to know what is, what is essential now? This right here, that we know this. Got to keep moving. Secondly, we find that worshipers are wanted. Look at verses 23 and 24. Yet a time is coming and has now come. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worship must worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. Again, we find the evangelistic push that the Father is looking. You see, in every other religion, it is the follower that must find the God. In every other religion on this planet, it is the follower that is responsible for some way, somehow, making contact with their deity. And get. But in Christianity, when it comes to God Almighty, we find what? Jesus said, the Father is is looking. I don't know about y'all, but I'm thankful the Father was looking for me. I don't know about anybody else, but I'm thankful that God, He didn't wait for me to try to find Him. He didn't wait for me to try to get a hold of Him. Absolutely not. I find that the Father was looking for me. He sent His Holy Spirit to convict me. He sent His Holy Spirit to deal with me. And I'm thankful today that He found me. I need somebody here to listen to me and know that you didn't go looking for God. God went looking for you. In fact, Scripture tells me that he first loved us. It wasn't us that loved him. It wasn't us that loved him first and initiated this salvation. No, it was him. Brother Eric read it at the beginning of this service. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God came looking for you. God came looking for me and he sent his only son because he loves us that much. We see this evangelistic thrust again. Then we find this phrase in spirit. What does that mean? Well, I believe that it means that your spirit is alive through the miracle of of salvation. You see, I believe until salvation, we're all walking around dead men and dead women on the inside. 
Until you find Christ and you become born again, we are walking around dead. But when we find salvation through Christ, we find life. God is spirit, he said. And to communicate in spirit, your spirit must be alive the way that happens through being born again. Now, let me, let me just go ahead. I just might as well say it. I probably made enough people mad already. I'll just make some more. I want to tell you this. According to Scripture, this is not my thoughts. I find it all throughout the Scripture. There is not but one prayer that God hears before we're saved from us. He hears the prayer of salvation. But let me tell you this. Be careful. When we, when we promote this idea that people can pray for healing and people can ask God and pray to God when they're not even saved, that's a bunch of malarkey. Because there ain't but one way. Go back and read about the tabernacle. Go back and read about it. There's not but one way to get into the presence of God, and that is through the blood in the tabernacle, in the temple. It was through the blood of bull and goats, but now we know that a great high priest, a perfect one, came and gave the perfect sacrifice, and it's not through the blood of bull and goats, but it's through the precious blood of Jesus Christ that we have access into his presence. But if you don't come through his blood, you ain't getting in. Churches have perpetuated this lie that, oh, just, you know, you can just pray for, no. If you ain't saved, if you haven't given your life to God, he's not going to hear your prayers. Until you pray and ask God, the one prayer that he will hear is the prayer of salvation. And when he hears that and saves you, then you have access. Because of this, because of the fact that before you're saved, you are dead spiritually. And what is the Father? He's looking for those who worship what? In spirit and in truth. And if you are dead in spirit, you can't communicate spiritually. What else does this mean? It means that you are concerned with spiritual realities. Not so much with places or outward things you see when you become born again when you become spiritual you become concerned with spiritual things and I know that even we as American Christians have many times fallen into the trap of forgetting about how much spirituality is going on around us man y'all are quiet we're scared to even talk about demons anymore we're scared to even talk about casting out of devils anymore. We're scared to even talk about spiritual realities like that anymore. We've gotten so fleshly in the church anymore that we've forgotten about that there is a spiritual war going on all around us. And to be alive in spirit means that we're concerned with those spiritual realities. Outward signs should come from inside spiritual changes and not the other way around listen folks I believe strongly the church has done some great things but yeah we've made some mistakes in the past in the past there were many who thought well if you just take the makeup off of it put a skirt on it don't cut the hair then that's going to work no listen it's got to come from the inside first now, what I believe today, do I believe? It's got to start in here. It's got to start on the inside. And yes, 
If there's something on that on the inside as big as God Almighty, if the same spirit that hovered upon the face of the waters and was there in creation and made this earth and everything that's in it, if the same spirit that the Bible talks about invaded the borrowed tomb of Joseph of Arimathea and raised Jesus Christ from the dead, if that same spirit is living on the inside of me, there's no way I can be the same as I was on the outside. It should change us from the inside out. It should change us. It should make us. It may not be beehive hairdos and blue jean skirts, but it's going to be modesty. Oh, God, here I go. It is going to be men and women modesty. Oh, dare I go here. I know the women get the bad rap for it all the time, but I'm so sick of seeing men walking around so in pants so tight that I can see everything. I don't want to see it. I'm an equal opportunity offender this morning. <laughs> do, do I need to say it also? And, and, and ladies... Ladies, you ain't got to let it all hang out either. No, I got to just, I just got to keep on going here. There ought to be, what does that mean? Worshiping the Father and Spirit, being in the Spirit means you're concerned about spiritual things, that it's the inside, but the inside is going to change the outside, and that our worship is directed by the Holy Spirit. The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 15 says this, What is it then I will pray with the spirit I will pray with the understanding also I will sing with the spirit and I will sing with the understanding also you see that's the good thing I believe about being baptized in the Holy Ghost there's times where I'm praying and I'm praying in my understanding. I know what I'm praying. But then at the same time, there comes times where the Spirit of the Lord begins to pray through me. And he's praying in a language that I don't know how to speak. And I don't know what it means. But neither does the devil. And he'll pray through me. And he'll intercede through me. I'll pray in the understanding. I'll pray in the Spirit. I'll sing in the understanding. And I'll sing in the Spirit. Come on, folks. When's the last time that you found yourself in in a time of worship. I'm not talking about you got to get up in front of people. I'm talking about it when it's just you and the Lord and you're singing and all of a sudden your English or whatever your native language may be turns into tongues and God begins to worship through you. I'm not talking about for a show or a spectacle. I'm talking about when the Spirit on the inside of you begins to anoint you and use you to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We need both our personal and our corporate worship to be directed by the Holy Spirit. In spirit and what? And in truth. What does that mean? That you worship according to the whole counsel of God's Word, especially in light of New Testament revelation. You say, what does that mean? I mean, you need, to, you need to worship according to the way this book says it, especially in the New Testament. Now, here, here it is. I'm just going to make everybody mad before I get out of here today. Let me just tell you this. 
I think there is great. And you'll find, you ought to know by now, I love to preach and teach out of the Old Testament. There's a lot of value in there, a lot of things. But I also want to preach out of the Old Testament in light of the New Testament. Say, so what are you talking about? Here I go. I think there is extremely great value when you study a prayer shawl. But folks, as a born-again believer washed in the blood of Jesus, I don't have to hang a prayer shawl around my neck to pray. It's a lot of value there. There's a lot of good things that I, that, that, that I can learn from that. When you read about the, the colors in there and the core, that, there's great teaching. There's great revelation there. But can I tell you, when you get into the New Testament, we find that Jesus tore the veil. He eliminated all of that. All I need to pray is I just need the blood, and I just need to come in the name of Jesus. I don't have to hang a cloth around my neck. I just just have to have the blood applied to my heart and it becomes possible. See, there are those that want truth but no spirit. And then there are those who want spirit but they're not really concerned with the truth. Oh God, I can, I can just really keep on there for just a little while. You know, there are some that they're all about it. And listen, I'm glad. I'm glad that there are those that are all about the Word, but they refuse to let the Spirit move in them and work in them. But then there are some that want all the Spirit, but they ain't concerned about the truth. You've heard me say this before, and you'll probably get tired of hearing me say it, but I don't really care. If God tells you something that goes against this book, God ain't told you it. Samaritans were known for taking bits and pieces of scripture they wanted and ignoring the rest. God, there's a lot of people in the church like that too now. I'm not talking about Starkville Church of God. I'm talking about the church, period. That just like the Samaritans. Do you remember Jesus here is talking to this Samaritan? She said, you're going to worship? You're going to worship in spirit and in truth. Folks, if we're going to worship, we're going to worship in spirit, but we're also going to worship in truth. We're going to worship him through the direction of the Holy Spirit, but it's going to be lining up with this right here. Our worship, while it certainly should include our emotions, cannot be dependent on or based on an emotional experience. You see, there's a lot of Christians that can shout, dance, and sing with the best of them. But they're about as deep in the word as a Dollar General kiddie pool. I told you all just a while ago, I feel like that the Lord over the last 10 years has just been stirring in me and just confirming in me that I know I'm a little bit old-fashioned and I know that some of those things, but I just, I just feel that God has placed a specific call on my life to preach and to maintain the truth. And listen, folks, I'm all about worship. I'm all about it. We need to worship. We've got to worship. But listen, we've got a generation. We've got a generation now where they love to worship and sing for two hours, but they won't read their Bible for five minutes. That don't work. 
I'm not against worship. I think worship is commanded. That's, that's part of what I'm preaching about here today. But we can't just get so caught up in, in singing and, and worshiping and then that it becomes unbiblical. I mean, I, I'm not so hardcore. Listen, you, you can find all shapes and sizes. You just look it up. There's some folks that refuse to sing songs from particular groups that are out there. But we do. We need to be careful that worship is biblical. That worship that we're singing is biblical. And it, it ain't just the new stuff either. And I love to sing it. It's a fun song. But nowhere in my Bible do I talk hear anything about I'm going to take a trip on a good old gospel ship. Come on, folks. If you can find it, you can tell me. But what I read is, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the air to meet the Lord in the clouds, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Ain't a boat anywhere in there. So let me, again, I'm trying to be an equal opportunity offender to everyone. We need to be careful what we're worshiping with. Is it, is it biblical? Is it truth? We're worshiping in spirit and truth. The more you come to God in truth, not in pretense or a mere display of spirituality. That's what God is wanting. That we stop coming in pretense, that we stop coming in, in a display of spirituality, and that we're not coming just to try to appease our own conscience. But that we're coming to the Lord in spirit and in truth. And here's the bottom line of it. And I'm not saying you're always going to feel like worship either. But only you and God really know where your heart is at when you're worshiping. I'm not the judge. The people on this platform are not the judge. He's the judge. It's between you and him. Stand with me, if you will, please. We're going to baptize in water in just a moment. But before we do that, as our musicians and singers make their way to the platform, I remind you of these two things in this. That the Father is looking for worshipers. He's looking. He's looking. No better depiction of this exists to me than the story of the prodigal son. He wandered off. And, and when the Bible said he finally, he's about to eat the slop with the hogs. And finally what? He came to himself. And he started heading back home. And the Bible said, as he began to head home, said what the father was looking from a Far off. I don't know where you're at in your life right now, but I want you to know that the Father is looking for you. I told you Jesus made a point. He stopped by. He, he went right through. He avoided the bypass and went right through the middle of Samaria. 
to go where no other Jew really wanted to go and talk to people that no other Jew really wanted to talk to. And the fact that she was a Samaritan and that she was a she. But Jesus had a divine appointment with her that day. The Father's looking. I don't care what nationality you are. I don't care what, what sex you are. Whether you're male or female. That's the only two that God made, by the way. I don't care who you are. The Father's looking for you. He's looking. He's watching. He is looking and searching for worshipers. Would you be one of those? Are you one of those that he's looking for? To worship him in spirit and in truth. It's easy for us to just kind of go through the motions and do what we've always done. But are we worshiping him in spirit and in truth? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody looking around today. I don't want to pass up this opportunity in this moment. Perhaps there's someone here that doesn't know the Lord. Maybe you've never, never given your heart to Christ. Maybe you're like this Samaritan woman who was living in sin, had five previous husbands and shacked up with another dude. That might not be your sin. Yours might be drugs. Yours might be alcohol. But listen, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All of us are in need of a Savior. Maybe you're here this morning under the sound of my voice and, pastor, and you say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus, but I just feel something on the inside of me tugging and pulling, and I want to know more about Him. If that's you and you say, I don't know Him, but I want to know Him, would you just slip your hand up? Anybody in this building right now? I know as I look around, I see a lot of familiar faces, but I just I don't want to pass up this opportunity right now. Hallelujah. 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 Everybody look at me. By your testimony of no hands raised, means that all of us here know the Lord. But here's what God's calling us to do. He's still calling every single one of us to be a worshiper. Jesus looked at that lady and said, hey, the day is coming, and now. He said, you're going to worship. You're not going to worship on this mountain there in Samaria or in Jerusalem. Folks, I've never been to Samaria or Jerusalem. But I want to be a worshiper. And Jesus said, I could do it. I could do it right here in Starkville, Mississippi, or wherever in the world the Lord takes me. I can be a worshiper. I can worship here in this sanctuary. I can worship out in that parking lot. I can worship in my house. I can worship wherever. But I wonder if there's anybody here and say, Pastor, I want to be a worshiper. I want to worship him in spirit and in truth. Would you just slip both hands in the air if you say, that's me? I want to worship him in spirit and in truth. Come on, just slip your hands up. Just slip them up right now, both hands in the air, and say, God, I want to be a worshiper. I want to worship you in spirit and in truth. I want to be led by your spirit. I don't want to be so stuck in in tradition. I don't want to be so stuck in form that I don't let the spirit lead me. I I want to worship in spirit, but I also want to worship in truth.
I want to know your word. I want to get myself in your word. And I want to worship you in spirit and in truth because that's the kind of worshipers that the Lord is looking for. Father, in the name of Jesus, for every hand lifted across this sanctuary right now, hands are lifted all across this sanctuary saying, I want to worship, I want to be a worshiper, and I want to worship in spirit and in truth. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus Christ that you would help us, Lord. Help us to be worshipers, oh God. Help us to be worshipers, Lord, of the one true living God. God, that we would lift up the name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ, that we would be worshipers in spirit and in truth, that we would, oh God, that we would, oh Lord, let your spirit lead us, oh God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Maybe somebody needs to be baptized in the Holy Ghost for the first time, or maybe you need to be refilled with the Holy Ghost. Right here and right now is your time. Just keep your hands up and say, Lord, fill me afresh and anew. Fill me afresh and anew with your spirit. Let your Holy Spirit come down and fill me in the name of Jesus. Maybe you want to be led by the Spirit more. Or maybe you want to get more into the Word. Maybe you want to know the truth more than you do. I just pray right now, ask the Lord to help you. Ask the Lord to help you. God, help us, Lord, to know your Word more than we ever have before. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would raise us up. Raise us up as a mighty army of worshipers. Raise us up as a mighty army of worshipers. In the name of Jesus, that we would worship in spirit and in truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, folks. Just open up your mouth right now, church. Open up your mouth right now and just worship him. Just begin to praise him and magnify him. As I said earlier, I thank God that I can worship him and say that he's good, not because of what he did for somebody else, but I can thank him that he's good because of how good he has been to me. Oh, come on, if he's been good to you, thank him right now. If he's touched you, thank him right now. If he's ever healed you, thank him right now. If he's saved your soul, thank him right now. If he's protected you, thank him right now. If you know you should have been dead, but you're not because he has protected you, thank him right now. Lord, we worship you and thank you today. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We worship you. We praise you, O oh Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, in the name of Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, O oh Lord. Jesus at the center of it all. Come on, worship him right now. Jesus at the 
Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I do want to give an opportunity before we move into baptism. I want to give an opportunity. Maybe you're here and you need healing in your body. The book of James tells us that we can call for the elders of the church. We can anoint the sick with oil, pray the prayer of faith, and the sick will be healed. If you're here and you need physical healing in your body, I want you to just step out. I'm not going to linger a long time, but if you need physical healing today, I want you to step out. I want to pray with you. Come on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Anybody else this morning, you want physical healing? Brother Eric, maybe if you could come and... Help pray with me this morning. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, y'all go ahead and sing. Jesus at the center of it all. Jesus at the center of it all. From beginning to the end, it will always be.
Scripture tells us, Lord, in the book of Daniel, Lord, we find where you dispatch the answer, but Daniel said there was spiritual warfare that was going on that prevented the answer from coming, Lord, as quickly as that. Lord, I believe that you have dispatched the answer to every prayer, Lord God, but I believe that there are spiritual things going on. I help us to be spiritual people, to pray, read your word, Lord, to do that spiritual warfare that is necessary, oh God. In the name of Jesus, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord one more hand clap of praise. That's all right. That's all right. Hallelujah. I want to invite you, if you will, you can continue to stand and worship or you can be seated. How many of you are planning on being baptized in water this morning? Anybody, anybody else? We got our guys. If you're going to be baptized, come on around this side. Any ladies that we have, if you'll come around this side, we're going to baptize. I know it was kind of spur of the moment. If you were here last week, I just felt like the Spirit was leading me. And uh, we're going to have a baptism at this time. They're going to sing through this or whatever song they've got prepared. Just continue to worship. And uh, if y'all are being baptized, you can go out in the hall. And Brother Randy will help direct you into where you need to go. You can sit. You can stand. Please don't. This is important. This is a public profession of faith right here. Stay around if you will. So 
more time, just lift your hands and worship to him. Lord, we thank you. Praise you, oh God. You've been so good to us. Thank you for this atmosphere of praise and worship that is in this place, oh Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the Bible tells us Jesus is our first example. He goes out to his cousin, John, who's baptizing, and Jesus goes to him and says, you need to baptize me. And John doesn't really want to do it, but he says, it's absolutely necessary. And so Jesus set the example for water baptism. Later on, we find all throughout the book of Acts that they would get saved and they would be baptized in water as a public profession of their faith to declare the symbolism that we're going down into the water that the dead man is buried remember I said we're all walking around dead men and women until we get saved symbolizing the death of the flesh that spiritual death but yet being made alive again in Jesus Christ I'm thankful today for those that are here we've got several coming come on This water's a little bit chilly. <laughs> so we're going to baptize. I want you to tell everybody, tell everybody who you are. I'm James Springer. This is James, and James is here as a public profession of your faith. Do you publicly declare that Jesus Christ is your Lord? Heck yeah. Yes. <laughs> Jesus Christ is his Lord. Well, based on that confession of faith, Jaden, come up here and help me with this microphone.